message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Time is a journey into the redemption story. This is just a prefix to what we're going to be sharing tomorrow. I want to lay this as foundation so that tomorrow we can go right in. Hallelujah. All right. Now, whenever we are teaching any kind of doctrinal, um, doc, um, any kind of Bible subject, it's very, very important for us to lay proper foundation so that we can stand on that foundation and build upwards. The Bible says there is no foundation that is laid except that which is Christ Jesus. So we have to lay a proper foundation. Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one. And verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we've seen, all right, in several teaching series, that God's plan was to populate the earth with a family, a nation of men, all right, that were created in his image and bore his likeness. Hallelujah. And we went on to see, all right, that the image and the likeness of God is what is Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. If we turn to Titus chapter number 1, book of Titus chapter number 1 and from verse 1, we see that the plan of God to offer eternal life to all men, all right, was not new. This was God's plan since before the world began. Now look at what this is. Titus 1.1, 1, 1. this is Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Now verse 2, everybody would want to go. It says what? In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before what? The world began. So that means, all right, eternal life was the promise God made before the world began. Before the world began, in answer, but and in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. So God's plan has always been to raise a family that bear the image of his son, Jesus. Christ Jesus is the image, all right, of God. Now I'm going to make reference to certain messages that you should listen to for you to properly understand this message I am about to go into, all right. Um, there is a teaching called all right, the first Bible seminar of the year is on Telegram, get it. Then the second one is the Gospel in Genesis. All right, you can get it. Then the um, New Year message, all right, January 1st, December 31st into January 1st message, the year of spreading, get that message also. I touched on this. That's for this year. There are other messages I've taught in years past that actually explain what I'm going to explain, all right, as a foundation. All right, so God's plan was to mass produce mankind after the image of Christ. So that's actually the foundation for what we call the church today. Now, today what we're going to be doing is that we're going to be looking at the beginning stories of this redemption plan, all right? We've seen that what God's plan was. God's plan was to make all men come to, all right, to eternal life. So God's plan was to make all men bear the image of his son. Now, we're going to now check how God went about, all right, actualizing this plan. Then how we find that all of this plan was, the blueprint was stated even in the book of Genesis, in the book of Exodus, Numbers, you will see that, 
as we go through the scriptures. So let us now begin with a gentleman called Abraham. Genesis chapter number 12. So God's plan, all right, was to have a family on the earth, a nation on the earth that had life in them, all right, that had life in them and carried the image of God, all right? God made this offer to Adam. Adam rejected it. Adam did not cooperate with God's plan. He rejected it. The Bible says, but by one man's disobedience, death reigned. So disobedience was Adam's sin. Adam disobeyed, all right, God's instruction. Adam disobeyed all right, or rejected God's offer, all right? Then you now find that we now have, after moving to Adam, we had Cain and Abel. Abel accepted God's offer. The Bible says, by faith, Abel offered a more what? Excellent sacrifice, but Cain rejected. Now, Abel that accepted, through whom God would have used to raise a family on the earth, raise God, that accepted eternal life, was now killed by who? By Cain, which now meant that there was no heir for God to walk through, because Cain killed who? Abel, praise God. Then you now went that way, that way, until we now come to Papa Abraham. Hallelujah. How many of you remember this song? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons as Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let us praise. <laughs> then you now go, Abraham's blessings are mine. You know? Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings are mine. So, question is, what is Abraham's blessing? We're going to look at that. All right. This blessing that was branded with Abraham's name. What is it exactly? All right. We're going to look at it from the scripture. Please come increase the volume on social media. People are giving feedback that it is low. Hallelujah. So, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Everybody read. Read one to go. It says what? Now, the Lord had said now the lord had said notice he didn't say now the lord said how many of you notice that come on how many of you notice that come on now it, it means that god had been speaking to abraham about living for a while right he said now the lord had said unto abraham get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Praise God. Get thee out of your father's hand. All right. All right. Unto a land that I will show thee. Now, how many of you remember Genesis chapter 1? When we explain Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3, how many of you remember? Where we said, it says, in the beginning, was, uh, in the beginning God created the what? The heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the world, the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the world, waters. We explained that the waters there, the deep there, is speaking figuratively about who? About people, nations, all right? And that darkness that he said covered, all right, the deep, it was showing us the state of the heart of men, glory to God, on the earth. That means we explained um, the earth was, for, um, uh, was what? Without form and what? And void. We explained without form to mean what? Empty. All right, confusion to be what? Vain, all right, vanity. And basically, we explained that without form meant that the earth was empty of Christ. Remember that? That there was nobody on the earth that carried the image of Christ. Wait, am I many of you, uh, you, you follow that message, right? You follow that message. Okay, good. 
So it meant that, all right, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the whole earth was filled with men that were in darkness. The whole earth was filled with men that did not carry the image of Christ. The whole earth was filled with men that did not have eternal life. Then the Bible now said, and God said, let there be what? Light. Then we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. The glory of God in the face of what? Jesus Christ. So we're able to see that the light of Genesis, glory to God, is the light of the gospel of Christ. Glory to God. The light of Genesis is the revelation of God in the face of who? Of Jesus Christ. And the next thing we see after the light came is that you find that God separated the light from the darkness and the light he called day and the night uh, and the uh, and the darkness he called what? Night. So we found out that after the light, glory to God, was released by God in Genesis, there now became a separation. There was now day and there was what? Night. I explained to you that all, that also is a what? Typology. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5, glory to God, the Bible tells, calls the believers the children of the light and the children of the day. And it calls those who are unbelievers the children of the night and the children of what? Of darkness. So the introduction of the light in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 brought about a race of two different kinds of people. Those who were light and those who were what? Darkness. Remember, initially, there was only those who were in darkness. But after the gospel, there was now a delineation of those who are in darkness from those who are in what? <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following that? That is Genesis 1. That is your template. All of the, all of the stories in the Bible are drawn from Genesis 1 template. So we now find God telling Abraham to come out of his father's house. Praise God. Come out of his father's house. Why? Because everybody in his father's house were in what? Unbelief. So he's telling him to separate himself from them. Just as God caused the, what? the light to shine out of darkness, God is calling Abraham out of what? A kindred, a nation of men and women that don't believe. Praise God. And you are going to see that that is repeated all through the Exodus story. Glory to God. So let's take it a step, a step by step. All right, go back to Genesis 12. It says, now the Lord has said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house uh, unto a land that I will show thee. Now, verse 2, everybody read. It says what? And I will make of thee a great what? Nation. Notice God's plan was to raise a nation of faith people. God's plan was to raise a nation of men and women who had his image, who had what? eternal life. Is this clear? That's the plan. That's the end game. So he said, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be what? A blessing. Next verse, verse 3 now says, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that cursed thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So when he says, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, what he's just saying is, anyone who is not in you is cursed, and anyone who is in you is what is blessed. The word curse here is the Hebrew word arar, A-R-A-R, and what does arar mean? Arar means to extricate someone. It means to cut off someone. It means to separate someone. Are you following? So when a man, if you said a man is cursed, it is like a man used to have access to a water source. All right? And water was flowing from that water source into his garden. Are you following? When you say that man is cursed, what you are saying is that that water source that he was connected to, he is cut off from it. 
Are you following? So when he's cut off from it, the water does not flow to him. What is the effect? The effect is that his garden becomes what? Like a wilderness. Is that correct? Because there is no water flowing to the garden. So the cause is the separation. The wilderness is the effect of the separation. Did you get that? Did you get that? So when he says, all right, all right, I will bless them that bless thee, all right, we are going to look at what that blessing is, and I will curse them that curse thee. So that curse, we mean that what Abraham is connected to, and everybody who is with Abraham is connected to, those who are not with Abraham will not be connected to it. You follow that? Come on, you follow that? All right, praise God. Praise God. So let's continue. He now says, and I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in this shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now that, that, that expression, all right, that expression, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, is a very important one. Because in, in is a new creation reality. All right? In Christ. All right? That word in, it's a new creation reality, all right? Therefore, if any man be what? In Christ. Because in speaks to immersion. In speaks to baptism. In speaks to unity and speaks to oneness. Are you following? Are you following? He that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him, all right? The Bible talks about as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have what? Put on Christ. So the in thee is an expression, and we now have to ask, ask, ask ourselves a question. So when, when he says in thee, is he saying in Abraham, or is he speaking and referring to somebody else? Because if you say in Abraham, all the families of the earth be blessed, my next question will be how if it's Abraham? Glory to God. I said, glory to God. So let us answer that question a bit for Abraham when he says, in this shall all families of the earth be blessed. Go to the book of Galatians real quickly. Verse 7. 3, 7. We'll be alternating between that. Galatians 3, 7, what does he say? Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of what? Abraham. Next verse. Now pay attention, everybody. He says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God will justify the having through faith, preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying what? In thee shall all nations what? So that means he's referencing what we just read. Is that correct? Come on, is that correct? So he says, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 9, pay attention now. So then they which be of faith are blessed with what? Are blessed with what? Paul is doing an exegesis of Genesis 12. Bless, uh, 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 those who bless you are blessed, and those who curse you are cursed. So those who bless are blessed are those who are of faith. Are you seeing this? All right. So they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Next verse. Verse 10 now says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under what? Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? So those who are not with faithful Abraham are the ones that are under word, the curse. All right? So it now says, all right, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. 12. 
But the law is not of it. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. 13 now says, Christ has redeemed all for the cause of the law, being made a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that angeth on a tree. 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 15. Now says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man is annulled or added thereto. Now, this is where we're going 16. Now to Abraham and his words, seed where the promise is made. He said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is who? Christ. So that means when he says, in thee, in, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, he was not speaking to Abraham after the flesh, he was speaking to who? Christ. Now look at how do we know? Look at verse 17. 17 says, and this I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Abraham. Did you see Abraham there? So he says before of God in what? In Christ. So when God made a covenant, entered into a covenant with Abraham and Abraham's seed, it was a covenant with Abraham and who? As in, well, it was a covenant in Abraham in the flesh as a typology, but in reality, it was a covenant between God and who? And Christ. Are you following? Are you following? All right. So it says, before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. We've gotten ahead of ourselves, but let us now go back to what we are doing. Praise God. All right. All right. Praise God. So God tells Abraham, Abraham, all right, go out of your father's land. Go back to Genesis 12. Let me keep to the piece of my notes, Jerry. Genesis 12, back to and verse 4. He now says, so Abraham, <laughs> Abraham departed. No, no, let's go to verse 3 so that we can, I think we're starting to. I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that cursed thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, verse 4, everybody really want to go. It says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Everybody say faith. Everybody say faith. So he departed as the Lord had what? Spoken unto him. Remember, Adam did not do as the Lord had spoken unto him. Rather, Abraham and Adam did what? Disobeyed. Romans 5:19. For by one man's what? Disobedience. So as God spoke to Abraham and he obeyed. He spoke to Adam and he did what? Disobeyed. Are, are, you, are you following? Are you following? So Adam was not in the faith conversation. Abraham was in the faith conversation. All right. So Abraham divided as the Lord has spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Hmm, important information. And Abraham was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Aaron. So that means God called Abraham out of darkness. God called Abraham out of his father's house, glory to God, and called him and said, come out. I'm trying to show you a land where you will dwell in. This land of Aaron with your father and your mother is not the land of faith. It's a land of darkness. I'm calling you out of it. And Abraham heard the call and obeyed. Have we gotten that so far? Come on, have we gotten that so far? Now, he says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Aaron. Next verse, verse 5. And Ab so Abraham, and Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all that sort of time they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Aaron, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came in. Now, I mean, if you are noticing something very interesting, in that God called Abraham, but his family went with him. 
You understand? Not his father and mother. His own people went with him. His household went with him. Remember, God's plan was to raise a nation, glory to God, of men and women, all right, that bore his image. Now, all right, now he says, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Now, look at verse 6. God speaks again. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Merah, and the Canaanites was in the land. Seven. And, as, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham. This is the first time we see that God appeared to Abraham. Hallelujah. He says, unto thy seed. Who is the seed? Come on, who is the seed? He says, unto thy seed will I give this land. Glory to God. Let's, let's read it again. Unto thy seed will I give this land. So that means Abraham leaves his father's house and all, then gets to Canaan, then God said, unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Verse 8. Pay attention. This is prophetic teaching. You have to follow. Because if you don't follow, you should just enter Kekena paper and go to Jelegbao. And he removed on tents. Unto a mountain on the east of what? Bethel. Bethel means what? The house of God. And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So that means Abraham was called out of Babylon because where he was, Chaldean, um, uh, uh, where he was, he was from Chaldea, South Chaldea. All right, called out of Babylon, and he came into Canaan, and he came to a place called Bethel, which is called what? The house of God. And he pitched a tent there, glory to God, hallelujah, showing that God's call to him was to translate him from what? From Babylon to what? To his house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in essence, that was what the call to Abraham was from Babylon to his house. Now, we are going to now look at, you know, explain and break this better so that we can see it plainly, all right, what, all right, the gospel actually is. Amen. I said amen. All right, now let's look at Genesis 15. Don't worry, just come, continue, come, come along, we will get there. Hmm? Genesis 15, because there are some people that are not get there, you know. You're still following, where, where are we going with this, Pastor? Alright, Genesis 15 from verse 1. Note this. The seed is Christ. Remember that? Galatians 3.16. The seed is Christ. The covenant between Abraham and God was actually the covenant between God and what? His Christ. We've seen that from Galatians. Is that correct? So when God tells Abraham, come out, alright, of your father's house, what he's actually saying is what? To mankind to come out of darkness because God wants to raise a family in the image and the likeness of who? Of Christ Jesus. Praise God. So the call to Abraham was a call to the light. The call to Abraham was a call out of darkness into the light. Praise God. The light who? The light is Christ. All right, Christ Jesus. Look at Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am what? thy shield, and thy exceeding what? Great reward. Which means, he is saying the reward of Abraham is not the land. The reward of Abraham is who? Is God himself. Praise the Lord. 
The reward of Abraham is not the land. The reward of Abraham is God himself. So it says, fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Verse 2. It now says, I'm not doing any Greek and Hebrew today. It's on purpose. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me? Seeing I go childless. And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Remember God promised him a seed. I'm afraid you remember that. All right. So he says, you promised me a seed and that through this seed you give me, we're going to raise a nation of men, you understand, that have eternal life. But I have no seed. Praise God. I have no seed. So verse 3, it now says, And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord said unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be what? Thine heir. Verse 5. He says, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Now pay attention. Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed what? Be. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for what? Righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we've said the seed is who? Is who? Christ. Christ had not come, but God preached the gospel to Abraham, hallelujah, about the Christ. And the Bible says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted him, counted it to him for what? For righteousness. So no wonder Jesus said, Abraham, your father, desired to see my day. And he saw it and he was what? He was glad. What is he saying? He's saying that God showed Abraham his seed. The seed is who is Christ. He saw it and it was, it was what? It was glad. Look at it, the stars of the heavens. That's not Isaac. You know that, right? He said God shows him the stars in the heaven. He's talking about an heavenly seed. Glory to God. I mean, if you remember, we, 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 that we saw that in Genesis 1. How that there was a demarcation, a firmament, the firmament um, separating the waters under the firmament and the waters what? Above the firmament. And we saw that there was a separation between the nations who did not have eternal life and the nations who had eternal life. The nations who had eternal life were obviously referring to the waters above the firmament. That is those who were an heavenly nation. And those without eternal life were the ones under the firmament. That's talking about the natural man. So the presence of the light of God brought about a separation between the natural man and the world and the supernatural man. Abraham is being showed that your seed is the heavenly one. Glory to God. Your seed is not the natural man. Your seed is the what? The heavenly one. And the seed, the heavenly one, is what? Is Christ, Christ Jesus. Now, let us now continue, all right, in this. So, when we see all of this, we find that God gives Abraham a child, Isaac. After the flesh, because the seed, all right, Christ Jesus was not to come into manifestation for another few thousands of years. So God gives Isaac because Isaac was going to continue the natural lineage through whom Christ is going to come. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say this with me. The seed of Abraham was not Isaac. The seed of Abraham was Christ Jesus. Isaac was a typology. He was not the actual seed. Very important for us to know this. Now, glory to God. Now listen. 
The call to Abraham was leave your father's house. I'm going to take you to a land. Correct? Correct. Church, correct. Good. Now let's go to Exodus 6. Exodus 6. You're going to see an exact replica of the same call. So the, the call to Abraham was I'm going to take you out of your father's house to a land. Then you are now going to see in Exodus, God sent Moses to bring the descendants of Abraham out of Egypt to what? That same land. Amen. Oh yeah, Exodus 6. Verse 1. Can we read one to go? It says what? Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shall thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he what? Let them go. Now, this is another typology. We now have the introduction of a guy called who? Pharaoh. He said, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Two, everybody reads. says what? And God spoke unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Verse 3 says what? And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto what? Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Next verse. And I have also established my covenant with them. Now, what covenant did he establish with them? Galatians 3 covenant. All right. The covenant of God in who? In Christ Jesus. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember that? That's the covenant he's referring to. All right. And I have also established my covenant with them. To give them the what? The land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were what? Strangers. So can we say clearly that the promise to Abraham, if we are speaking naturally, is the land of Canaan? Right? It's the land of Canaan. Is that correct? But from what we have seen so far, we can see that there is a lot of parabolic language, metaphorical language, figurative language in what we have read so far. For example, we have seen that Abraham's seed is not Isaac. Galatians shows us that Abraham's seed is who? Is Christ. We've seen that. Is that correct? We've seen that it's Christ. So the question we now ask is this. When he says, and I've also established my covenant with them, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. So we need to ask ourselves a question. What then does the land of Canaan mean? The land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Hallelujah. The land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Hey, yeah. Hallelujah. Go back to Galatians 3. How many of you think that the land, when you say land is flowing with milk and honey, how many of you feel like that looks like a land of pleasure? Does it look like a land of pleasure to you? Now, I know to you, if they say land flow, you're Nigerian. When you say land flowing with milk and honey, you say, what is that? To the guys, you say a land where PS7 is already out. Hey, you're talking. All right, praise God. Or someone that likes pizza. A land flow with mozzarella. I mean, the trees, they, 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 they don't produce fruit. They produce pizza. Wow. You understand? Wow. So awesome. You know, the song is maybe a land flowing with a ban ogbono soup. Freshly made. You don't have to make it. You say, hey, what that picture is trying to promote or, or send across to you is a land of what? Pleasure and what? Enjoyment. 
Is that correct? Come on, is that correct? Uh-huh. So I was talking about. Now let's go back to Galatians 3. Notice the land of Canaan is the promise. In the Old Testament language, what is the promise? A land. Is that correct? Now go back to Galatians chapter number 3. All right. And verse 7. We already read it. But I want to show you something there. Know you therefore that they which are of faith the same are of the children of Abraham. Now, eight, everybody read together slowly. And the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the even through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Verse 9, now says, So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Ten, he says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the cause, for it is written, Causes everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. 11 now says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. 12. All right. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Now, 13, we are getting there. Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, being made a cause for us, for it is written, Causes everyone that angered on a tree. 14, everybody read one, two, go. That the what? Blessing of Abraham might call on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the what? Now, under the Old Testament, in natural plain speech, what is the promise of the Abrahamic covenant? The land. But Paul tells us that the promise is what? The Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Are you following that? Are you following that? Which means that Canaan, is not a physical place. Canaan is the indwelling of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says in Hebrews 11, it said, they that say such thing, they are looking for a city that is not made with what? With hands. Should we look at that? Turn to Hebrews. Let me, let me find that out. How many of you are learning something already? Let me see your hands. All right, let's look at it real quickly. Hebrews chapter 11. I didn't have that as part of what... Uh, now, look at verse 12. Hebrews 11, 12 says, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky, and multitude than as the sand which is by the sea, sure innumerable. It says, These all died in faith, not having received what? Uh-oh. He says, not having received the promises. But some of the people he mentioned here, Praise God, all right, that were uh, heroes of faith, were in the promised land. Amen. For example, he mentioned Samson as a hero of faith. Well, Samson was in the promised land. David, he was in the promised land. Is that correct? But he says, go, can we read it again? What does he say? Verse what? These all died in faith. Sarah was in the promised land. You know that Sarah and Abraham were in the promised land. They were in Canaan. Canaan is promised land. But it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them were afar off and were persuaded of what? 
of them and embraced what? Them. And confessed that they were what? Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek what? A country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country, from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have what? Returned. But now, pay attention, they desire a better country that is what? Unheavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared for them what? Ah, he had prepared for them a city. Hmm. John 14. Verse 1. A city. On our that is. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also we are. Verse 2. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for who? For who? Who did he go to prepare a place for? Verse to verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also where? So that means the people he's going to prepare a place for are those who believe what? In him. Clear? Now go to two. He says, in my father's house, all right, in my father's house, there are many what? Now, the word house there, you already know it is what? Oikia. That's the name of our church. Oikia. So he says, in my father's oikia, in my father's dwelling place, there are many dwelling places. This is not talking about that you only get to heaven. The father's house is not heaven. Amen. So if you had dreams and you had the dreams and you just came into heaven like that and an angel was taking you on the stroll. Amen. And now said, uh, Afiz, when you come up here, this is your mansion. <laughs> Do you like your mansion? Yeah, I like it, but I want to just make some, uh, can we have some Italian mahogany? Can we have, <laughs> Jehovah Witness book has affected your vision. How many of you know that your vision and your dreams are heavily influenced by your, what you are conscious of? How many of you know that? I said, how many of you know that? Heavily. For example, notice that when Peter had the vision in Acts 10, he had a vision based on his heavy consciousness of the law. How many of you notice? Yeah. So that is why whenever they had visions, they saw chariots. Do you see chariots in your own vision? No. <laughs> you, understand? you understand? When they are chasing you, it's cat that chases your dog. Or village goats. You understand? You understand? It's not a chariot that is chasing you. As I was running, have you ever seen someone as I was running, there was a chariot behind me? No. Is that I was in my village and there was a goat. How do you know it was your village? You've been to your village before. Consciousness. Praise the Lord. So he says, in my father's house are many mansions. So there are many dwelling places. 
If it were not so, I will have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Notice, the people were hopeful, all right, of a heavenly city that God was going to what? So that means it was not yet prepared. Church now, talk to me now. Uh -uh. It was not yet prepared. So that means the promise was God was going to prepare that place for them. That was the promise. Is that correct? So the promise to Abraham was in the future. And the promise to Abraham was that a, the Canaan is a typology of the heavenly city. Praise God. Now, heavenly city does not refer, it's not, doesn't mean, he's not talking about heaven, you know. No, no, because the word heaven, heavenly is epuranos. All right? It's used to describe the spirit of God. Do you understand? All right? So when he says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, he's talking about in the spirit of God. You understand? All right. In heavenly places, that is referring to the Spirit of God. Glory to God. So when he says, In my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, next verse. Three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, where is he going to prepare a place for them? In my father's house. Put that in mind, my father's house. Because we need to now find out where is this father's house? Where's the location? So that we can enter bus to the place. Amen. All right. He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again and receive you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unto myself that where I am, there you may be what? Also. Hmm. This, this is a, this thing, verse 3 is heavy. He says, I go. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. So when is the, what does the going mean? What does the come again refer to? Then what is the receive you unto myself? What is that? What is he talking about? He now said that where I am, there he may be also. Now, many people have thought that this is saying that when I leave this earth, that's Jesus. When Jesus leaves the earth, he's going to prepare heaven for us. So when you're going to heaven, the bulldozers were walking on, you know, walking on your, your mansions, you know. All right, then, all right, then he's coming again. When that's all, he's coming back again. My God is coming back again. He went away and he promised that he's coming back again. He's coming back again. My God is coming back again. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. He's coming back again. Hallelujah. You know, that's what you think he's talking about. Hmm. Verse 4. Today he may be also. 4. And whither I go, ye know. And the way, ye know. Six and five. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Six now says, Jesus said unto him, I am what? The way, the truth, and what? The life. So that means their focus to a destination in their mind seemed to be somewhere outside of Christ. Their focus about the Father's house seemed to be somewhere Outside of Christ. Are you following the conversation? So he is bringing their mind back to where? Himself. Jesus said unto him, I am what? The way you are saying, where is the way? I am the way. All right. I am what? The truth. I am what? The life. Notice now, Jesus brings an introduction, the life, something he never mentions in John 14 at all. Glory to God. He has spoken about it in earlier chapters of St. John's Gospel. John 1, John 10, John 6, praise God. 
But he, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, then I am what? The life. He now goes, everybody read. Talk to me now. No man what? Ah, we are talking about the father's house. He now says, no man cometh unto the father but by me. Next verse, 7. says, if he had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth you know him and have what? Oh, oh, okay. Ah, eight. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father. And we'll be fine. So they wanted a magic trick. Jesus just say, Father, Father. No, you understand? No. Look at Jesus said. Pay attention. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that had seen me had seen what? The Father. And how says then, Show us the Father? Now look at verse 10. Everybody may want to go. Believe thou not that I am where? And the Father is where? So that means if the Father is in Christ, it means the home of the Father is who? Christ Jesus. If the Father is in Christ, it means the Father's oikia, the Father's dwelling place is who? The Father's dwelling place is who? Is in Christ. Hallelujah. So, look at what it says in Colossians chapter 2. Let's just go there real quickly. Colossians 2 and verse 9. Colossians 2, verse 9 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, what? So that means the home of the Godhead is who? Christ Jesus. So when Jesus says, in my father's oikia, there are many what? Dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. What he was saying that in me are many dwelling places for you who believe, hallelujah, but I am going to prepare a place for you because the way into me is not opened yet. So my going is to do something to ensure that the way in to the Father's oikia is what? Opened. How many of you got what I'm talking about? Amen. Hmm. The way in is not opened yet. So that was why in the Old Testament, the, you know, in Hebrews chapter 9, Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, explains it. He tells us that the high priest went into the holiest of all once. How many times did he? You know, it was once he went in. And he says the reason why he went in once was to signify that the way into the presence of God was not yet open to everybody. Praise God. So Jesus was going to go and do something. That going was to do something to make it possible for everyone who believes to have access into the Father. So what did he do? He died for our sins. Because the reason why man couldn't come in to the place was because of what? Of sin. Praise God. So he died. Now, what did he do when he says, and I will come again, and I will receive you unto what? Myself. That was his resurrection. So the death paid for his sins, but the resurrection brought every single thing 
every single man, woman, and child, glory to God, who believed to be residential in who? In the Father's house. Hallelujah. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? So you must understand that. So when God said to Abraham, um, come out of your father's house, and he says to the, the Israel nation, come out of Egypt. I'm going to take you to the land I promised Abraham. What he's saying is come out of the darkness into light. Look at Colossians chapter 1. And verse 12. Colossians 1 and 12. It says, Giving to the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. We are. Are you seeing that? The inheritance. The inheritance. In the Old Testament, the inheritance, all right, that Isaac has to Jacob was the right to get into this land. That is naturally speaking. Praise God. All right, this land called the promised land. Then Jacob passed it to his, uh, to his um, 12 sons. It was the right to enter into the promised land. Okay, but in Christ Jesus, the inheritance is not land. Because all those things in the Old Testament were a typology. In Christ Jesus, the inheritance is what? The, all right, it talks about made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, everybody read. It says what? All right, it says, who had delivered us from what? The power of darkness and had translated us, we are, into the kingdom of his what? Dear son. Glory to God. Look at verse 14. All right. In whom we have what? Redemption. So that means that translation from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son happened via what? Redemption. All right. The blood of Jesus was what brought about the translation from darkness into what? Into light. Now verse 15 now tells us, it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every word? Creature 16 now says, By him were all things that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities of ours, all things were created by him and for him. Praise God. Praise God. So we can see very clearly, all right, that um, what was given to Abraham and his descendants as a promise, glory to God, all right, the um, natural flow of thought in the Old Testament when we're talking about land of Canaan, when we're talking about promised land, land flowing with um, uh, milk and honey, was speaking figuratively of what? Our place we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our place we are in Christ Jesus, where we have the Spirit of God living where? On our inside. You're going to find out also that the psalmist, when he speaks, all right, he speaks all right, um, futuristically, of this time where they were no longer just because David was in Canaan. So there was no natural promised land David was looking forward to. He was already there. Is that correct? Now look at what David talks about and says repeatedly when he's speaking of this. Let me show you this. All right. Now, Psalm 61 and verse 3 and 4. Psalm 61, 3 and 4. He says, For thou hast been, 
Notice, the promise is the promise of the Spirit. What does that mean, promise of the Spirit? That is the promise of the indwelling Spirit, that by virtue of our location in Christ, we will be what? The tabernacles of what? Of the living God. We will be bearers of the image. Tomorrow, I will be showing you that the image, you know, the image of God is Christ. But the image of Christ is the Holy Ghost. We are going to explain and break down what image means. You understand? In the Greek, image is icon. In the, Hebrew, in the Hebrew Aramaic, there are several Hebrew words used to refer to image. You have Selem, then you have some other Hebrew words that I will spell for you tomorrow because I cannot pronounce them. <laughs> Praise God. All right, but you look at it, you understand what that word image means. Hallelujah. Then you now understand why God spoke to the Jews and told them not to make an image of himself. Because um, um, making image was something that was popular with the Egyptians. I've told you many times, all right, that the Egyptians had several images made in honor of their idols. Remember when we talked about uh, the plagues, and I told you the different gods that were judged in those plagues, and how that many of those gods, all right, were made in the image of an animal. The head of a fly, the head of a fish, the head of a, you understand? So you find out that if you look at the law of Moses, the warning of God to the children of Israel was that you must not make an image of anything in the sea, anything in the air, anything on the earth likened unto me. You must not do it. And there was a reason why. Because the image of God was not an animal. The image of God was Christ. And that Christ, they had not ne they've never seen before. Praise God. So because they've never seen him before, they couldn't make an image, all right, that would be correct. Praise God. You understand? Because the image of God is invisible. No one has seen him before. So he said, don't make an image of me. Because you have not seen me before. In the New Testament, glory to God, we are not told to make an image. We are made in the image of God. Hallelujah. And the image of God is Christ Jesus. But the image of Christ is what? The Spirit of God. So, all right, we bear the image of Christ, not because we were, there was a drawing and we you know. The image of Christ is not an anthropomorphic configuration or uh, a, a phenotypic, a phenotypic um, um, allegory. No, all right? The image of God is actually the presence of the Spirit of God in a man. So what makes you like God is because God lives in you. What makes you like God is because you are born of his Spirit. Are you, are you with me so far? You understand? So that's what it means to be in the image and likeness of God. It means that you carry his DNA. It means that right now you are the temple of the living God. He says, look at what David said. He says, for thou hast been a what? A shelter for me. Glory to God. A shelter for me. That's like a home. And a strong tower from the enemy. Verse 4. Everybody read. He says what? I will abide in thy tabernacle for what? For what? I will trust in the covert of what? Of thy wings. What is the tabernacle? All right. What tabernacle is he talking about? All right. What is the tabernacle of God? Remember, the tabernacle of God, the house of God, is who? Is Christ Jesus. David could not have been talking about a physical place because David was not going to stay in a physical place forever. That does not make sense. So he was talking about another place. And we've seen what that other place is. Praise God. 
Now look at um, Psalms 27 and verse 5 and 6. Psalm 27, verse 5 and 6. Look at what this is quickly. It says there, you see the same thought, all right, in that. It says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me where? In his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me? He shall set me up upon what? A rock. So the hiding he's talking about is in God. Hallelujah. In God. Hallelujah. He says, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies, round about me. Therefore will I offer in his what? In his what? In his what? Tabernacle. Sacrifices of joy. I will sing here. I will sing praises unto the Lord. Are you seeing this? Praise God. I said praise God. Look at Psalm 76 and verse 2. And this is where we'll close for tonight. Psalm 76 and verse 2. It says, look, let's have a verse 1 because so that you can see this. In Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. Verse 2, everybody we want to go says what? In Salem also is his what? Tabernacle. Now, hold on. In Salem also is his tabernacle. What is Salem? Salem means peace. Glory to God. Peace. So that means the dwelling place of God is in the place of peace. What is peace akin to in the New Testament? Reconciliation. Glory to God. Reconciliation. Hallelujah. Jesus is our peace. All right. Remember the scripture where it says, for he is our peace, who has made of twain. All right. Well, you understand? All right. Who have made of twain one. Hallelujah. Having removed what? The what? The enmity. Glory to God. So in Salem also is his tabernacle. So in Christ also is his what? Tabernacle. And his dwelling place in what? Zion. Zion is not referring to a physical place. Zion is referring to Christ. But you are come unto Mount Zion. The city of the word, living God. To the word, heavenly word, Jerusalem. To the spirit of just men made word, perfect. So that is talking about Christ. So we're going to see that tomorrow during Bible seminar. All right. All right. More of this. All right. Because you cannot understand pneumatology and you cannot understand the Abrahamic covenant. All right. Uh, all right, so you cannot understand pneumatology except you understand the Abrahamic covenant because it is the Abrahamic covenant that God used to make the promise of the Spirit to mankind. And it's through the fulfillment of that covenant. How was the Abrahamic covenant fulfilled? The terms of the covenant, the death of Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant. Hallelujah. And the giving of the Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise. Glory to God. Because in the Abrahamic covenant, God essentially was saying, I promise to take you to a land that I will show you. What is that land? The land is what? The indwelling of the spirit. Is that correct? Is that correct? But who did he make that promise to? He made that promise to an Abraham who was in his father's house. Where was his father's house? His father's house was a place of sin and a place of what? Unbelief. He was, his father's house was a place where the wages of sin is what? 
is dead. So the promise of righteousness by faith was a promise to Abraham. The promise of him being a tabernacle of a living God was a promise to him. God had to fulfill all the necessary conditions to ensure that that promise that he will come out of spiritual death into life was fulfilled. Praise God. Praise God. And to satisfy that promise, the wages of sin have to be paid. And how was that wages paid? The sentence of death paid? Somebody had to pay the penalty. Which Jesus did. And when Jesus died on that cross, glory to God, Jesus fulfilled the requirement for man's redemption. He paid the price and tasted death for every single man. So because of the fulfillment of that requirement, Abraham could finally receive the promise that was made by God in Christ to him. Glory to God. Think about it. Abraham and all the saints waited thousands of years to enter into what you have already entered into. Praise God. Amen. All of them, they were waiting. Waiting. In fact, after they died, the Bible says they went to Abraham's bosom to wait. Glory to God. They waited. And once Jesus died, Jesus said, it is finished. Do you know what it is finished means? It is what? Telestatai. Paid in what? In full. What was he saying? He was saying that, I have met it. I have satisfied all that is needed. Praise God. What was promised to Abraham is fulfilled. That's why Jesus said, he says, that no jot or tittle of the law, all right, will not, what? Will not what come to pass. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but no jot or tittle of the law shall what? Pass away without it being what? Fulfilled. So he is saying that, all right, the heaven and the earth can pass away, but the promises of God in the law, the law there is talking about the writings, all right, Genesis to all right, um, um, Deuteronomy. That's the law. That is the writings of Moses. The law there is not talking about the Ten Commandments. The law there is talking about what the writings of Moses. So he's saying that heaven and earth can pass away, but no, no single thing written in the law, all right, all right, will go without being fulfilled. And the fulfillment of all written in the law is what, what found where? In the body of Jesus. The death of Jesus Christ fulfills all of the righteous requirements of the law. Glory to God. And he also fulfills, hallelujah, the agreement made to Abraham. Now, notice something, guys. Let me just end with this. I think maybe we'll touch on it. Some people will ask, why did Jesus have to die? Now, in the Oriental religion, let me just put it this way. Whenever they made, wanted to enter into covenants, all right, what they would do, because if you go and look at Genesis chapter 15, you'll find out that God told Abraham to bring some items to cut a covenant with him. He told him to bring turtle doves, he told him to bring all of those things, and Abraham brought his own. But you will notice, because in a covenant, I'm to bring my things to cut a covenant, and you're supposed to bring your own. I bring my blood, you bring your blood. Abraham brought his own. God did not bring his own. Let's pause. We'll do that one tomorrow. 
Because to explain that one, yeah, it will take time. Because I'm already looking at you, brother. Did this? I'm not looking at you. No, no. Let's let's wait tomorrow. Because you will now find out that Jesus in Matthew 26 now says, "This is the blood of the new covenant." We'll continue tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because Jesus had to die because it was a requirement. A covenant is not in force when the testator is alive. Did you hear what I said? Who may enter into that covenant with Abraham? God in Christ, Abi, right? Who made the covenant? Who was the one that came and went to meet Abraham and said, I'm making the covenant with you? Who did? Who did? Uh -huh, now. So that means God is the testator. Praise God. Praise God. So if he was the one that made the covenant and wrote it, you know, you know if I write a will, and I say, I've given this person this, I'm giving this person this, I'm giving this person this, I'm giving this, this. You know, that will I've written is a legal document. It's valid. Is that correct? But does anybody get anything? You can't get anything. Why? I'm alive. So though I have said you get this, you get this, you get this, you cannot get anything because I'm what? I'm alive. Praise God. You only get something if I die. So it is after death that the will becomes a vital document. Where you can now say that this will is the man, the testator speaking from the grave. Correct? Correct. So you will now bring the will and say, oh, he said you get this. Oh, you said you get it. You understand? So that means a covenant is not in effect when men are alive. For a covenant or a will to be in effect, a man, the man, person that made that promise, that wrote that will, must die. Glory to God. So it was the death of Jesus that activated the what? The covenant of Abraham. It was that death that now made every promise God made to Abraham. That's now you can have it. Because the testator has died. Praise God. Praise God. Now, why was it important for the testator to rise from the dead? Because, glory to God, the testator... Let's look at the allegory again. Hallelujah. So, you make the will... And he put all those things there. But you know that some families, if a man has died and he writes a will, some families and elder brothers cannot come and now say, no! Ah, no, what's the meaning of that? No, this will is fabricated. No, it can't be so. And try to contest the will so that those who have been promised what don't get it. Is that correct? Good. So, you find out that Somebody has to stand, glory to God, to guarantee that every single thing it is in that will gets to who he's supposed to get it to, right? Praise God. So Jesus dies to activate the will. 
then he rises to guarantee it. Glory to God. So that every man, woman, and child, because he's alive to guarantee the promises in that will, we get the indwelling of the Spirit. Not for a while, forever. Do you understand? So that's why I said, he ever liveth to make what? Intercession. He ever liveth. That intercession is guarantee. Is alive to guarantee what he promised to Abraham, hallelujah, and what he activated by death. So he says in Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save to the what? Uttermost. Them that come to God by him, seeing that he what? Ever liveth. So that means eternal salvation, glory to God, is only possible by the guarantee of the living and resurrected Christ. Your salvation is secured because Christ is alive. You are not, your salvation, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we are all finished. Because we have no one to guarantee us in the presence of the Father. We have to guarantee ourselves. Praise God. But because he is alive, hallelujah, I know tomorrow. Praise the Lord. No guilt in life. No fear of death. In Christ alone. Praise the Lord. Can we lift up our hands and just bless his holy name? Happy people blessed today. Glory to God. Christ is our Canaan. Christ is our promised land. just listen to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.